Support for Pivot comes from BetterHelp. How do you know when your social battery is running on empty? Maybe you get a little snippy with your friends or perhaps Scott Galloway. Or maybe you just fantasize about canceling plans, creating one excuse after... You're fantasizing about me? No, 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 never. You're fantasizing about me. Again? Again? Not once. Not once. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Get off my ad right now. All right. Canceling plans, creating one excuse after another, why you have to stay in. I do that to Scott all the time. It's not easy to keep track of how much socializing is right for you. Therapy can help you build more awareness of what you need and when. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy with licensed professionals. Scheduling is convenient and finding a therapist suited to your style is quick and easy. And we all know Scott Galloway needs therapy. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash pivot today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pivot. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. And Kara, it is impossible for me to do my job with the president's (laughs) tweets. It's impossible. (laughs) I am beyond my limit. I am not coordinating with him. This is entirely independent and an expression of my leadership and integrity. It is impossible. I thought this you were is saying not my cooked. tweets. I th- I the president, outraged. you're referring to me, right? You cannot, you're referring to me and my tweets. Is that correct? Uh, so it's pretty obvious what's going on there. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty obvious. Yeah. They're having sex. Oh, my God. They are having God. sex, Kara. That, that you sex have a picture in, the in my office. head that I did not, did not even occur to me. I'm sorry. The AG bar walks into the Oval Office. Oh, no, 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 you're stopping. And he says, you're Mr. Stopping. President, no, no, you're stopping. I have corrupted right one now. of the world's great institutions. You're stopping. We're moving on. There's so needs. many stories. Let's talk about the EU. And he says, kiss me, you big bear of a man. No, that's done. We're done. And we're moving on. No. That's, th- thank you no. for putting that in everyone's brains. <laughs> if we, Bill Barr has dresses, listen, there's DNA all listen, over them. Listen, Oh, listen. my God, that's so inappropriate. That's, that's so definitely not making the end. You know what? We're doing really cut. well, and pe- we're growing really fast. But you're gonna at some point, you're going to drive this into a wall. That is really that's how it's going to go. I'm like NASCAR. That's what you want to do. It's fun while it lasted, and then boom, it's over. staying I, I was reading your essay about being anonymous and rich versus being well known and rich. I think you want yeah. to be well known and rich and have nobody bother you. I think that I'm is neither. My, I think, I'm neither. I'm on a train to neither. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying. I think you actually like being well known, but you don't want people disagreeing with your bond. I mean, like I had all weekend with a story that Recode wrote that I didn't even edit. Well, had nothing to do with. There was I, I've, I've told you, I'm offensive yet easily offended, which is like the worst combination <laughs> yes. in the world. And I have to sit and take stuff. I constantly. read. I didn't even know what was going on oh, there. And uh, so what? I mean, okay, so you guys, so you guys aren't microbiologists. Get, I mean, uh, I didn't see the big deal. I, I didn't did see not the big either. Deal. And I was trying to point that out. But I do think, as yeah. you know, we argue about it. You don't think this is this this uh, coronavirus. This crisis is a big deal, and I do actually. That was the thing. I actually agree with this guy. I like we don't we aren't yeah. doing enough around it, and you think we drink plenty, and that it's overhyped. So that's what the irony was. Ooh, that I, you're putting words in my mouth. I, I find just, that offensive. No, I don't. anyways, go ahead. <laughs> 
did. Go ahead. We have tape about Go it. Go ahead. Anyway, we're going to the news. In any case, I dealt with it. I invited him on the show. I've not heard from him. Uh, if you, he's talking to other people, that's fine. Whatever. I tried to— I, I read that guy's to, tweets. Yeah. I read his tweets because I was curious, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see you in, yeah. in trouble. And, I'm not in trouble. And that I'm guy— handling. He's an he's an he's an IQ bully. Like he's clearly smarter than all he of us. Is very smart. But instead of having any grace about it, he's like, okay, let me just let me just bully you with how just ridiculously smart. I'm yeah. like, all right, buddy, you win. You're smarter smart. than all of I'm us. I'm gonna not comment on that. He's got a lot of he's a in Bitcoin. He's he's got a lot of followers. He's got a lot of Bitcoin bros. Oh, he's a Bitcoin say. guy. Yeah, he does. A lot oh of well, that that ups his credibility in the medical community. Uh, that he, absolutely he knows a lot of that. Absolutely. I'm not fight. Okay, Listen, doctor. Where's crypto headed, doctor? Now, uh, now cut me open. Gonna, where's where's Ethereum headed? On my Solve my cancer, and where is Ethereum headed? All right, yeah. we're moving along. Yeah, Thank right. you for making okay. another weekend of being okay. back on it. But I handled. I'm in I such I a good mood. Well. I'm in a good mood. I see that. I see that. I see what's going. Where are you? Where are you on this lovely President's Day weekend? I'm in. Uh, I'm back in New York in the oh, city, okay. and I had a nice beautiful. weekend. Hints of spring, right? Hints of spring in New York. Hey, right. well, Kara, has anyone heard from spring? No. Has anyone heard from <laughs> hints, spring? Hints of spring. <laughs> hints. Of, listen, we're going to the big uh, stories. There's a lot going on, despite the fact yeah, this is a holiday weekend. Listen, EU lawmakers are debating a new policy around artificial intelligence. Sundar Pichai and Mark Zuckerberg are in the EU this week as EU yeah. lawmakers debate a new digital policy, including yeah. first of its kind rules on the ways that artificial intelligence can be they used are. by companies. New policy set to be released by the Office of Marguerite Investiture on Wednesday. Marguerite's obviously coming to code, which is going to be great. So what do you think about this? There, that Europe is once again uh, ahead. What do you think of this situation? Well, Margarita Vestia, and yes. that's how you say it. Thank you. Uh, she's my hero. I yes. told you I stalked her on a train. She was knitting, and I went up and I got a selfie she with knits. her, and she was so gracious. I she's think she gracious. was so excited that someone recognized her in yes. the United States, and she, she stopped, amazing. and she's— Anyway, she's a total gangster. I, I vote for her for king of the world or queen of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, the I thought the most interesting thing about that was your guy, your mm-hmm. dude, who you think should run Facebook. What's his name? Brad Grossman? Brad, Brad Gross? <laughs> Brad Smith. Brad Gross? Brad, Brad Smith, Smith from Microsoft, where did yes. I get, where did I get Grossman? I think it's William Barr, Bill I, Barr. Okay, we're, not, we're moving on from that storyline. Go ahead. <laughs> Come here, you kiss me, you DOJ wanton listen, listen, bitch, go, says the president go, every go, weekend on a Friday. Go, go. Anyways, I'm sorry. Okay. Back to classic so he did a total he did a total drop down or whatever yeah. you call it on mm-hmm. drop in on Facebook. He basically said, Look, we have an obligation yeah. to uh, have or, or afford our customers some semblance of privacy. What's mm-hmm. interesting is now he's gone all Tim Cook on Mark Zuckerberg. He has. He now Microsoft, the most it. valuable company in the world, is saying uh, it is dangerous. Uh, like it, literally, no one will have lunch with Facebook. We're like, we don't care how rich your dad is. We don't have, mm. care how cool and likable your sister is. You can no longer have lunch with us. Yeah. And uh, people are set. Other companies, and they usually kind of have the ultimate white guy pact. They're yeah. like, you know, no, we we will not say bad things about each other. So for in a public forum, and you can, and I'm sure about 800 PR people starched every word that he said. Brad? He said, look, we're Facebook, you got to get your act together. You're hurting the no, entire industry. No, that's very industry. Brad. That's very Brad. I spent a lot. I know him is quite well. I think that is really Of course sentiments. you do. I do. I, I did a podcast with do. him. I've known him for 25 years. Of course years. you do. He was, he's a great—I like him a great deal. That's why I want him to be at a Facebook. I think he's got the right sense. He wrote a book called Tools and Weapons. I'm going to fill you in. Um, I, why, why wouldn't I know him? I cover Microsoft for that's two decades. That's a good decades. title. Let me just— That's a good title. Like, always give me a hard time when I know people I actually— like, Cover like, Microsoft you know, for two decades. You know, we will not say that at like, your funeral. Covers, I know that. We listen, will not say listen, that. 
when someone covers, say, uh, the White House, you're like, you know, Senator blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, I know them. I cover them in any case. In any case, he's a very intelligent man. He has lots to say. He's wrote a whole book about this issue. And I think they're dying for some sort of guidance from regulators on these issues, especially AI. You know, I think they're, I think even Facebook wants some sort of direction. And so what's going to happen now is e, the EU is going to determine a lot of things just like GDPR, right? A lot of stuff because of the lack of any action by anybody in our government. That's well, really so you're, 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 um, I am, uh, and I'm, Genuine about this question because I'm cynical, but I think the whole uh, we need guidance and it's time for regulation as there are 90, regu- 90 lobbyists are in D.C. Yeah, delaying and obfuscating anything resembling regulation. I find it a disingenuous argument meant to, again, create this faux notion of concern I that agree. they're actually open to regulation. No, they're not. They're not in. Look at what the lobbyists are doing. The lobbyists don't walk into Senator Warren's office and go, you know what? We really do need Well, they want to, they know regulation is coming so they want to shape it. That's that, that I think you're right. right. You're right on on the base level. But in general, some companies really don't want this sort of uh, the same thing to happen that's happened with social media. Now, interestingly, Sundar Pichai, as because this is the way Sundar Pichai is, um, while AA promises enormous benefits for Europe and the world, there are real concerns about potential negative consequences. That's a perfect sentence. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, no, thoughts and good. prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, that's a thoughts he's and good. prayers. Thing. I, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take much away from it other than the Zuck went, and I'm pretty sure he had to avoid British airspace for fear that a tornado, gangster jet, gangster fighter plane uh-huh. would show up next to his G, Gulfstream 650 ER and escort him down and arrest him and take him into custody. So I'm little, I'm very serious. I wonder if on the way to Europe, his flight plan includes avoiding uh, UK airspace. I don't know. That's what I'd like I to know. I will ask him next time I see him, if I ever see him. Um, but it is interesting. We'll see what, what Mar- Marguerite puts out. But I think, as usual, she's she's far ahead of everybody else. And I think it'll they'll be much more stringent. It'll, the same thing will happen around facial recognition. Most of this legislation is not going to be coming from our country, which is, is interesting. And then they'll have to follow them because when something happens in a market like that, which is relatively large, even though the U.S. market is more— is larger, they're going to have to follow along, and they're going to have to to, to do that. And so, it, to me, it's sort of a, a consequence of the inability of our government to regulate tech in any way, um, which they keep almost doing. And there's all these bills that are almost there, but none of them really. And the EU lawmakers are leaping ahead, as usual. So that is what I say. Well, we haven't had any legislation in this country in a long time. We're, no, we're effectively no, no. The, 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 it really is. D.C. has just decided, especially with the with the injection of the Freedom Caucus, the Freedom Caucus has basically said, we're just not going to let anyone do anything. No, deregulate. Um, and, well, I bet there were hundreds we of bills. McConnell. Hundreds of bills. That's what he said. Hundreds, right? Is that right? McConnell said that. He, and someone's like, is it true? There are like 897 bills. He's like, yes, there are. <laughs> like that. I was yeah. like, okay. Um, I, I, thought, I, I thought it literally that everything had just like come to a grinding Come to a grinding halt. Yeah. By the way, what is an addiction? An addiction is something you continue to engage in despite the fact that it's damaging to the other parts of your life. And I am addicted. What? And we're going off script here. Oh, no. Off script. I've got to talk about politics. No, I can't, can't help no, it. No, you've got to hold it. We're going to talk oh, about okay. Huawei. We can't. In a minute. We, we Eric can... Anderson always says, don't talk about yeah, politics. Yeah, I know, because our readers would like <sighs> to talk about tech, which, which please, this is politics. Please, Here's, mommy. No, we're going to talk please. about addiction later, because and then you can, uh, you can be counseled about your problems. Oh, uh, stop and frisk. Is it disqualifying? Is it disqualifying? Huawei is political. The U.S. charged Huawei with federal racketeering last week. The Department of Justice accused Huawei. You're friend Bill Barr and its affiliates of a pattern of racketeering activity. They said the company has worked to trade 
to steal trade secrets from six American firms, stolen information, good source code, as well as lots of things. Um, Huawei argues latest charges are, are ridiculous. The Andy Purdy, who I've interviewed, um, says confidently exonerated. Now, this is interesting. Democrats and Republicans are aligned here, but nobody else agrees. Even tech companies are nervous about the inability to work with Chinese companies. And there was a great story in, I think, the Times, or the, I think it was the New York Times, about that issue, the difficulty of working. The U.K. recently agreed to work with Huawei with a 5G. But it, the Trump yeah. administration is staying on its lack of information sharing policy, and it warned, uh, it's been warning tech companies, U.S. tech companies about this. So anyway, so I have, a, what do I have a serious question. I have a serious question. Do yeah. you have any? I would love to know. I haven't read anything about this. I don't know the actual logistical risk of these devices in that is how how easy or difficult are they to weaponize? I, I'm not – if the Chinese start importing cars and the president were to say don't drive these cars because they'll mm-hmm. invade your privacy, I, I right. just don't know how real – the threat is of the equipment that they sell can be weaponized and used as a vehicle for espionage for the Chinese government. Well, I think government. it's that you get you get in in the in the guts of these of these networks, especially the five G networks, and you both yeah. control them, and then you're you're able to do that. I think I think what it is is that we. So you think the threat is real? You do think the threat is real? Uh, I don't, I, you know, I think it's good to be worried about it. This, this yeah. administration wants to protect national security by restricting the flow of technology to China. But te- it's also the flow of technology to China um, and, and mm-hmm. keep U.S. out of China. That's the other part of it. Um, and so tech companies want to sell into China, but they're, they're blo- it's, it's, a re- it's, it's part of this longer-running essentially war, but firms that specialize, this is the New York Times, firms that specialize in microchips, artificial intelligence, biotechnology, other industries have grown increasingly alarmed by the administration's efforts to restrict the flow of technology to China, saying could siphon expertise, research, and revenue away from the United States, ultimately eroding America's advantage. So we have to sell to them. So it's it's part of a two-pronged thing is this crackdown on both sides is bringing this Chinese technology in here in the form of Huawei and 5G. And uh, and then uh, cracking down on American components and technology going overseas. So it's a it's it's uh, you know it, it, look the Trump administration's anti-China in the, both these cases, and tech companies uh, have worries on in both sides, which is they're getting squeezed essentially. So I think, and I do think it's tangentially related to this. I think a story that's going to have. So I love the term seminal. I use that mm-hmm. word all the time. And it's, it's something, an event that is ultimately ends up being historic or mm-hmm. at the time it creates ripples that are greater than the initial stone, mm-hmm. you know, the stone's entry yes. into the water. I think the incarceration of Carlos Ghosn is, was a seminal moment. Huh. And that is geopolitics have intersected with private commerce. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think that I believe he was, he was incarcerated because uh, the Japanese felt they were shamed around the... Uh, Nissan Renault deal, mm-hmm. and they were very angry, and they incarcerated him, and then all of a sudden, Japan. I think Japan probably has the best brand in the world if, when it comes to kind of integrity or honesty, and that's why uh, the Gulf was talked into this ridiculous constructor vehicle to repatriate five years of oil export wealth called Division Fund One because they were able to basically. I don't want to say wash it through Japan, but mm-hmm. Japan has an incredibly strong brand in terms of honor. I sold my first company to the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And we'd go over there and we'd just sit in a room and say nothing for a day. And then we'd go out and get shitty drunk. And then we'd do the same thing for five days. And then the guy would come up to me and say, I can trust you now and we'll do the deal. Mm-hmm. None of it made any sense. It was very strange. But you take Japan very seriously. They just seem very steeped in culture and honor. And they seem like an honest people. So when they jail uh, the CEO of Nissan Renault, 
And it just, and then all of a sudden we start jailing or putting out a subpoena for, I believe it's the CFO Huawei. of Huawei. By the way, she's, she's the CFO a, of Huawei, member, yep. the, the CFO of Huawei should definitely order like a musical band and say she needs a box for her trumpet and see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Send a big box for my musical she's instruments she's over to my house, would you? In any case. Um, but, but anyways, the notion that they're going to, I think the tech executives and I think executives just in general are like, Globalization is meant, loosely speaking, that when corporate executives travel abroad, yeah. they're usually not worried about being incarcerated Yep, uh, and for, for, for geopolitical reasons. And that is starting to change. We're, you know, this we is also not just the Canada. CEO. She's the, she's the daughter of, of the, the, daughter, the founder, right. which is really interesting. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. And, you know, you have, all, you know, what you were talking about, joking about with Mark, but they all have these um, these indictments. And so she's arrested and she's— She's. They want to extradite her here, and they're Canada's weighing of it. So it's it's really become political, just like you were talking about. Yeah. And then the second part is that then companies in this country, when these this is all going on, this is a, a passage from the New York Times story about uh, doing business with China. Companies, along with lawyers and consultants who advise them, say firms increasingly have no choice but to locate more research and development outside the United States to ensure that they have uninterrupted access to China, a fast-growing consumer market and center of the global electronic supply chain. New investment dollars are being funneled to research hubs near the University of Waterloo in Canada, as well as Israel, Britain, and other places beyond the reach of the U.S. government. Well, you know, this is— Well, I mean, this is—I this is, uh, continued—our continued socialist government that is employing tariffs, mm-hmm. that is taking a trillion dollars, which is greater than the defense budget of the U.S. and Europe combined, and transferring it from young people to old people in the form of Social Security, our socialist government, which is putting pressure on companies to locate their headquarters in certain cities. And now our socialist government is deciding, hey, I know the U.S. should buy Ericsson or Nokia. And it's just, okay, wait, the government is going to get into the business of trying to compete against Chinese companies now? That is the definition of socialism, and it usually doesn't. It usually doesn't end up that well. It, typically, governments don't don't make great private well, enterprise I think strategies. More, more to the point is that, that that these rules are just not thought out. And Wilbur Ross looks asleep. Talk about asleep at the wheel, and he's actually asleep. But this is uh, to me the letter from IBM, which never does things like this. In a comment letter, told the Commerce Department to go back to the drawing board and said the rules will lead to broad disengagement of U.S. business from global markets and suppliers. Its reach, breadth, and vagueness are unprecedented. I mean, this that's like. You're stupid. I think that's a you're stupid, yeah. right? No, I, I get it. And when IBM calls you stupid, that When hurts. IBM calls you stupid. That anyway, hurts. this is going to be— Jesus, th- even IBM thinks we're morons. This is a very, very—especially in the backdrop of coronavirus coming out of China. This is a—this is this Chinese—the situation in China is so complex uh, in our relationship with China. I think that's really—to me, Huawei is one of the undersung stories— of what's going on here. I do I do think that. Um, and so we'll see where it goes. Um, speaking of another tech company, we will get to politics. We got to get to, we have a guest yeah. coming soon. Airbnb isn't making profits and expect to go public later this year. It, it, yeah. it, it was making money. Um, it had a profit a year ago of $200 million. Now it has a loss of $322 million. Uh, they're losing money because they're putting in safety cards and things like that's what people think. Um, what do you think will happen to we, you? We both have been like positive about this company, but they're they're embroiled lots of lawsuits. They've been doing more safety things. You know, they've been actually doing the block and tackling compared to other companies that's necessary to create a safe company. This is their attempts, even though a lot of they have a lot of critics to that. They're not doing as good enough job. Wh- what do you, what happens when you you change you go to a loss like this when you're going into a public offering this year? I would argue, I think they're doing exactly what they should be doing. And that is, if you look at the majority of big tech, where the problems come in is not only do 
because we live in a capitalist society and we have obviously feckless government oversight, it's very tempting in a capitalist society where you the accoutrements of wealth and power are just extraordinary to to ignore and turn a blind eye to some of the externalities created with unfettered scale. Yep. And that is, okay, what happens when you don't apply for a business license? What happens when you ignore journalist stories that your drivers are making less than minimum wage? What happens when you ignore all sorts of evidence that bad actors are on your platform? What happens when you ignore, you know, child safety? Because at the end of the day, scale, their ability, I mean, these companies, these companies have created Facebook has created more value in 10 years than the entire U.S. auto industry created in a century. Mm-hmm. And the ability to do that, the ability to garner the, the accoutrements, the respect, you generally, these people are, gener- you know, for the most part, good people think, I can do great things with this wealth and power. You know, they, so the temptation to ignore anything that gets in the way of this kind of blitzkrieg-like scale it's extraordinary. And that is what regulators are supposed to do. They're supposed to step in and say, no, you're supposed to right. have a business license. And no, if you're paying people $2.50 and turning their car into a payday loan, we're going we're gonna to stop that. But we haven't done that. They overrun Washington. We, they, they, they weaponize CNBC and the Wall Street Journal to call them innovators. And anyone who gets in the way doesn't, quote unquote, get it mm. and is a Luddite. And what Airbnb is doing is saying, you know what, uh, before it's too late, we're going to put in place some friction, and it's expensive, and it'll cost them money at the IPO. But they're saying safety has become an issue, so they are making a massive investment in screening safety and trying to understand. Get they're getting in the way of their scale, and they're spending a lot of money well, trying to make these well, with, these these units more safe. Yeah, th- this is true. I think the the problem they face, I I think, is this. Um, you know they're building this big legal team, uh, which is which is important to them because they've got all kinds of issues all over the place. Right. Um, and and they and they they are litigious because they're ramping up. You know they're fighting with localities. Am all I over naive? Place. Are they not a Snow White? No, as I'd like I think to they're. Think. I think the, I, the, I think the two questions. And again, I like Brian Chesky. He's coming to code. Also, the whole team actually, the whole original team is coming to code. All the founders. Um, I, yeah. I do think compared to everybody else, but it's sort of like sometimes you're like it's the it's it's the least violent person like you know what i mean the least violent right. and so that doesn't mean they don't they haven't been charles manson's younger brother no 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 like that just beats but, people you know, up they have, they like have disputes everywhere you know they've got so many problems because they're an analog company just think talk about the legal problems they have they've got you know video cameras in people's bedrooms they've got you know at one point they had bed bugs there was uh there were uh, prostitutes operating there were you know orgies there was damage there's people dying and these things that's called a wednesday night in soho <laughs> what are you talking about um well it's just you knew like, that was this coming company, like, knew that was coming. i knew that was coming but like property damage this is just there's so much going on and then they're fighting with municipalities about its impact right. and then you know it, it just goes it goes on and on and on and then illegal properties being, uh, you know, being gamed, and then there's these parties, and then, like, so this is a very complex company. So I don't, I, I, I have to say that anything they can do to, to assuage that is great, but it, they're, got, they're not going to be perfect in this regard, and so it's going to cost money. But I do like that they're spending um, uh, spending money, but they're, they're definitely uh, have to be aggressive from a, from a well, legal they, point of the view. Well, the option would be, the option would be to do what Uber did, yeah. and then it's just just try and delay and obfuscate and overwhelm the media with stories about other things such that they can get public, and then kind of all this stuff bubbles up. And I think they've said, no, we're going to try and—I mean, there's a, there's probably a bigger issue, and it's more of a macro issue, and that is what happens 
when you continue to take housing stock off the market for the purpose of turning it into kind of what is effectively a makeshift short-term rental Mm -hmm. or a hotel, what happens to young people who – or people who just can't find housing. Right. They just can't rent. It, this is another thing that's pushing the price of housing up yep. in the kind of key yep. locations where people want to live and want to be closer to work. So there's some obviously some big issues. You also have the hotel lobby. Yes, fairly has said, they were, I would said look, I would agree. We've been we've been paying for the police. We we pay. Uh, uh, look at your hotel bill. Right. I mean, there are extraordinary taxes right. on there. Right. right. And they pay taxes. And they pay I, taxes at Airbnb. They now do. So Airbnb has. Do you know if Airbnb though in every municipality is actually paying yes. the same tax? I think they. I believe they are. I believe they have fixed that. It's like Amazon. So they, they fixed fix that. that. But I think the issue is look. They they're in these lawsuits with especially with New York. They're in that same. And Brian was quite. Um, uh, frustrated with their situation. We're gonna, every now and then you hear people inside there, we're just going to get out of New York. We're just not going to do it. And then they're like, well, we've got a lot of... It's a very complex situation, and it, I think it requires... I think going public, it'll be interesting to see these numbers when they go public. You know, this is a $31 billion valuation. If they're, if there's, like, maybe this is money they have to spend now, the way Amazon did, and then later they can recoup it. Um, you know, they bought a hotel tonight, so they're also in the hotel business. They also have to show growth. Uh, so it's it's a, it's a, it's going to be a really interesting IPO. I do think it's a great product, um, and it's not one of these products it that is, is going to yeah. go away. And I think it's not— Speaking— I think, it's, I think they do it better than anybody else. There's nobody else even close. I agree. They've got they've got monopoly of some of those network effects we talk about. Speaking of New York, did you see the news that Mayor de Blasio endorsed Bernie Sanders? Yes, we're going to get into then, politics. Go ahead. Wait, Go ahead. we have a mayor, said everyone in New York. Oh my god! Talk about <laughs> talk about the weakest flex in the world. Uh, maybe the, I have mayor. I have mayor de Blasio. You okay. do. You got to do the impression of Bernie Sanders Bernie receiving Sanders. de Blasio. Thank you very much. Endorsement. Thank you very much. Here you go. <laughs> Well, I love Blasio, Blasio, whatever. We're in New York. <laughs> in New York. In New York, people realize. Uh, I don't even know how to do it. Talk about the weakest flex in the world. He does glom onto things, doesn't he? Anyway, we've got to take a quick yeah. break because we've got a guest coming. Uh, actually, someone whose brother is running for president, friend of Pivot, Jim Steyer. Uh, and we're going to do wins and fails after that when we get back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, we're back, and we have our friend Jim Steyer on the line. Jim is a best-selling author, a Stanford University professor, and founder of CEO of Common Sense. It's the world's leading organization focused on helping kids and families thrive in the world of media and technology. This September, he'll be publishing his book, Which Side of History? How Technology is Reshaping Democracy and All Our Lives. Uh, we are both parents. Uh, this is about privacy platforms and how to handle it. So it's the perfect intersection. Jim, welcome to Pivot. Great to be here. So uh, so you don't know, Professor Galley, but right before this, you were complimenting each other on your professorialness, although you had a little Stanford uh, NYU face-off. Um, but one of the topics, Scott, we want to talk about, because Jim yeah. talks about this a lot, is how safe are platforms like Facebook and YouTube for kids? This is something he has been very early to this, the same complaints you made around addiction, around stuff like that. So, so, so talk about that a little bit, Jim, where you are now, because this is something you've been talking about for a while. You're right, Kara. I've been talking about it for a long time. And I would just say that the basic message I always give to parents on kids using social media platforms like Facebook or Instagram or YouTube is delay, delay, delay. I mean, they're still the wild, wild west. They still present enormous challenges uh, for the social, emotional and cognitive development of kids. And so we still have a huge issue when it comes to the reality of kids online. And they are there's an arms race for data, an arms race for attention, and kids are oftentimes the big losers, period. Go on. Oh, my God. I love this guy <laughs> so, so much already. Go ahead. I mean, literally. I know. This is your topic, so wait, Scott, okay, and bringing people hold on. of I, interest. I, I said I wouldn't get involved in this interview, and I'm 10 seconds in, and I got All interrupted. Right, go so, okay, what is? Can you give us some of the most damaging or some of the data that you find most alarming about kids and privacy in these platforms? Well, I mean, basically, kids today are the most tracked generation ever. Um, and the mm -hmm. stakes uh, for privacy are very high. When we wrote the CCPA... In 2018, it went into effect just this past month. This is the California Privacy Act. Right. right. The right. sort of a landmark law in the United States. To be honest with you, we did it, Scott and Kara, because we were so concerned about the privacy of kids. But basically, they're tracked from infancy. We used to look at this in the context of the photos that parents would post to their babies. But we have this, as, as our friend Shoshana Zuboff at Harvard says, you know, a surveillance economy. And so kids are being tracked. They don't know it. Their parents don't know it. And then sometimes that data is being used in, in really inappropriate ways. So we've been looking at this forever. So what what are some of those ways? Because my data is tracked and it, most, it usually adds utility. It helps me get to Chipotle or whatever. Why is it bad? You know, Why Scott, it, as the father of two daughters, both of yep. whom were always concerned about their weight and their body image. You know, yep. they started re re getting pro-anorexia uh, messages when they were 11 or 12. And they would constantly be dished up stuff because of tracking on, on social media and on, on, on other platforms. Well, hold, hold on one second. Pro-anorexia messages. What platform? Like, how did that happen? That happened, uh, I'm like sure, because they, they were tracked. Their data was available. Yep. And then 
folks who had weight loss pills or stuff related to weight loss were targeting them with ads. And we've seen this across the board with girls. I mean, I actually think, Kara, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but Mm -hmm. the issue of the impact of platforms like Instagram and Snapchat on, on boys and girls, but particularly girls' body image, is humongous. Yeah, if Scott, this yeah. is Scott talks about this all the time, this depression issue. The constant comparison. And, and you know, I, I think the data is something like 50% of kids, on, girls on social media, Photoshop their images for the, sort of that perfect look. That's incredibly damaging to their self-esteem. What, what, so what, you, can you, I'm sorry, ahead, you're going to ask the same question I was, Kara. What do we do about this? Like, if you could, if you could be governor, if you were advising Governor Newsom, and it sounds like you are, what are the two or three things that will help? Well, run, we, write, we wrote the, Cal, the Consumer Privacy Act in 2018. That needs to be strengthened. I mean, there needs to be much stronger enforcement and greater data minimization. Um, I personally think that for areas in which and we, 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 we need to rewrite COPPA, the privacy law for kids under the age of 13. But I think much more fundamentally, we need responsibility out of the large companies. I mean, they have just basically ignored their responsibilities to kids and families and consumers from the get go. And uh, I just think it's about time that they were much held much more accountable by the government, but, but society writ large for the way some of the really major downsides and unintended consequences of their business models. Well, talk about the UK new, new legislation required social networks, gaming apps, and online services used by people under 18 to overhaul how they handle that information. They require platforms like YouTube and Instagram to turn on the highest possible privacy settings for default by minors, turn off default data mining practices. This is never—we were just talking just earlier about Margaret Vestager and the artificial intelligence stuff they're talking about this week. Um, we, what is the—why does this never happen in this country? Why do these—why is GDPR and, and California pretty much the only—and even California is weaker. You know that. I mean, it, Not that much weaker. I mean, Carol, we wrote the law, so it's, so it's weaker in some ways and, and, and stronger in a couple of other ways. But you're correct. And truthfully, we opened a London office for common sense, which is going great guns— and we work with Margareta on an ongoing basis because Europe is much more vigilant about this. I mean, California has a functioning democracy. Brussels and the EU have a function, functioning democracy. And Washington is not a functioning democracy. That's the bottom line. That's why we wrote the privacy law for the United States in California. So what we need is a new president, a Congress that is competent to deal with these issues, and then to take the companies head on just as they're doing in the UK and Europe. And we are right now lobbying in Europe for the passage of the UK legislation that you referred to, Kara. All right. So, but like this, you just opened up a big door. Someone you know is running for president, your brother, is that correct? Now, do you advise him on, on the policy on privacy media? Is this, I haven't heard him talk a lot about this, um, but but let, let's advise whoever is president, not your, your extraordinarily wealthy brother. Yes, go ahead. Thank you. I knew you were going to throw in that adjective, Kara. <laughs> But I love my very, very much and I support him and he would be a great president. That said, I would tell whoever is the next president, hopefully not Donald Trump, God forbid, that we need to, number one, abolish Section 230. We need to just remove the ridiculous visions of Section 230 that 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 have given these guys a get out of jail free pass for 15 years. We should have comprehensive federal privacy legislation that's stronger than GDPR. We should hold industry executives in certain cases, personally responsible when they are uh, involved in or complicit in the hacking of our democracy. The list goes on. To some extent, we're running this legislation or pieces of this legislation in California. 
But the truth is this leadership should start with a president, whether it's my brother or somebody else. Scott, ask about the personally responsible. Scott was just talking about that. So typically in the U.S., I I think the first two are feasible. In California, whenever California does anything, uh, D.C. typically or other states, probably more importantly, as as you've pointed out, D.C. has become somewhat flaccid, if you will, around regulation last, I don't know, 20 years. But everybody looks to California. Right. And but the the number the the one that I think would probably have the biggest impact is one of these executives shows up in in court and there's a chance they're going to be wearing an orange jumpsuit. I think that is probably what is required because they these these folks have such incredible tools, have so much capital, have so many lobbyists that until there's a decent level. I mean, the rule of law in the U.S. is an incredible deterrent. There is a very healthy fear of incarceration and shame that applies to most people in most industries that say, even if I can get away with it, I'm not going to pour mercury into the river out of the back door of my factory. I don't think that fear is there among tech executives. And the idea of of a corporation is that we give people private power and private companies and executives a barrier such that if they do something stupid within a corporation, their stock goes down, they get fired, but they don't go to jail. And to me, that is something that has huge benefits in a capitalist society, but also has gotten in the way of this level of deterrence. What could they potentially do? How could they hold? Is it realistic, the notion of holding them personally? You know, Scott, I think it's a great question, but I agree with you. I think that was one of the great mistakes of the Obama administration, by analogy, when they failed to put some of the banking executives in prison where they belong for tanking our economy. And you could compare that to the ways in which some of the largest tax platforms, particularly, I think, Facebook in particular, have both are have harmed our constitutional and democratic norms, have exposed kids and other users to massive violations of privacy. I think if we held tech executives personally liable, it would have a dramatic impact in terms of accountability. I also feel that with bank executives. So I agree with you. And I would I'm a former prosecutor. I saw this every day when I was a prosecutor. When people are afraid of being in orange jumpsuits, it completely changes their behavior. And I do believe that post the 20 election, we ought to be having these kinds of discussions, not in a punitive way, but because the impact of tech on society, on democracy, on all of our lives is so profound. All right. But uh, both of you, this is never going to happen. They're never going to put Mark Zuckerberg in jail. I made this prediction, Karen. I stand by it, and I'd like to get Professor Starr's view. I predicted two years ago, and I've been wrong so far— that a tech executive is detained and arrested, but it happens on foreign soil. I, it could be, but I think it'll be for something like something like pornography or live streaming murder. I mean, one of the things I, I'm sure you t- I know you because I listen to your podcast that we talk about Section 230. I mean, that's one of the yeah. worst laws in the United States. It has literally been this blanket yeah. immunity. Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat from Oregon. And Ron Wyden wrote it. And part of the reason when I've argued with he Democratic like senators to have it overturned they always say, well, you know, Ron wrote it. I like, who cares who wrote it? Let's Ron get rid of it. Ron does not like it as anymore. I just saw him the other day. Yeah. He doesn't, he, he yeah. thinks it's, it's outdated. He's outdated. Kara, then if Ron yes. Wyden doesn't like it, who a, a good a good gentleman from Oregon, he ought to stand up and call for its abolition. I don't believe he thinks that far. I think but they he ought to start from scratch. It's a, scratch. It's a re- yeah. lousy law. It's irrelevant in the 2020. All right. Well, th- that's a big deal. That's a big thing. So you think 2.30. And, and then what about, let me just defend it because we have only a little more time. Uh, that's a big thing. That is not going to happen. But it, that's a big thing. And I think it's, I think you're right about redoing it and figuring it out. But I think it's very difficult to imagine them. Fundamental overhaul. Fundamental, Fundamental overhaul right. of 2.30. 
All right. Okay. Okay. Two things. We have two two things. Final things. General advice for parents who concern. Give us three tips. And second, yeah, do question. Scott? If your brother wins, can Scott and I stay in the Lincoln bedroom together? We really okay. Would. Number one. Yes to oh, question gosh. number two. Um, here's what <laughs> I would say. It. Number one. So yes to number two. My brother's going to shoot me for that comment. However, Kara. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. But that's okay. I talk to him Isn't every he day. Gun and he, he's I my best he's... friend, and, right. and he is my younger brother, so he has to listen to me some of the time. Now, I think the number one thing is delay, delay, delay in terms of uh, giving your kids smartphones. Number mm-hmm. two, have an ongoing dialogue with them about the pros and cons of what they're getting on phones and social media, including addiction, attention, distraction issues. And then third, be a good role model. If you're constantly glued to your own phone or your own oh, social media account, way. what are they going to learn from no. you? So true. You're right. I've gotten so much better, Jim, since you warned me of that. I believe that, Kara. I have. I put it down. I put them down whenever we're at meals and everything else. I do. And that's the, you know, we have that whole device free dinner campaign. But, Kara, Mm -hmm. I know what a a doting mom you are. And, Scott, I assume you're a devoted parent. You've just got to act it out in your own life. And, by the way, we're all healthier if we do. That is true. 100%. Great advice. Jim, as usual. Thank you so much. Professor Starr, you are an inspiration. Upgrade to the Bears, the Golden Bears. I love it. <laughs> professor Galloway, get out here to the Bay Area and become a visiting professor at Stanford. And I'm Garrett. a wanted man there. Are you kidding? <laughs> I end up. The question is whether they assassinate me honorably oh with like a, a, a long distance rifle or they strangle oh my me. God. All right, Jim. Good talking to you. Okay. Talk, talk to both All of right, you guys. Thanks. All right. See you, Professor. Okay. I love that guy. <laughs> I love I that guy. Do. All right. Seriously. Scott. I was a bit skeptical. Some guy named Steyer that's not running for president. Yeah. I was totally All skeptical. Right. There you have it. I sent an email, a snarky email last night. I'm like, snooze to the producers. And, and they just, freak out because I never complain. Can I just say, I'm unlike you. I never complain. That guy's a gangster. Can I just say, you that should listen to me on my advice to you. I do know some people. Yeah, I do listen. You don't. I do you listen. Complain. And, no, and by I the way, listen. just because I made a Lincoln bedroom remark, you literally just talked about the AG having sex with the president, and I just oh, make wait, one on. single that is literally, Lincoln bedroom remark. That is the worst Cinemax show ever invented. You and no, me. You're on the floor. The, You'll be sleeping the on the floor bedroom. and talking to the to the ghost oh, of the God. president. Yeah. But we, I think we need uh, to, we need to use this relationship. Get into the White literally, House. Literally, that's that's the night. You and I in the Lincoln Benjamin is the night they find out the White House. <laughs> it was built on an ancient Indian burial ground or whatever it is. Oh my Polter God. guy shows we up. We have to get to the White House. We have to get in the we White House. We do have to get there. I've never been to the I White have, House. I have. In I've fact, never been several invited. Times I used to cover it for the Washington Post. Well, of course you but have. How many times no, have you been to the I White House? No, I covered it as a reporter. I didn't get invited <laughs> yeah, by anybody. Oh, right. actually, you know what? That's not right. true. My ex-wife was worked at the White House, so I've been in there. Oh yeah, that's right. But not very. They don't let me very far, but I mean, like, really, in the, we should run around the White House. That's what we need to do upstairs. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Now the Secret I'm, Service I'm is, in. like, dialing in right now. Um, anyway, I did go. I did get. I did get uh, my hand shook by President Obama when you leave. All the members of the White House get to have little pictures taken with him. He saw me and was horrified because we had done a very testy interview. Really? Yep. That's right. He's like, what, how did you get in here? And I think that's what he said to me, I believe. That's what he said to me. It was very funny. In any case, Scott <laughs> wins and fails now. Who won? Wins and wins fails. Wins and fails. Uh, so my fail is Senator Tom Cotton oh, good uh, one. implying that a super virus has been, uh, has, has been developed at some uh, covert facility. Yeah. I think it's irresponsible. I think the Senate, the brand of Senate and senators is distinct of their partisanship, that they don't make statements like that. And then when senators say something, we take it seriously. And that Senator Tom Cotton, when he says— 
when he manufactures conspiracy theories about super viruses from nations that he may see as our adversary, but they're not our enemy. And, and then biologists with any credibility come out and say, this virus does not look like it. there's no evidence it was engineered in any mm-hmm. way. He not only weakens our position in the world, he diminishes the, incre- the, the, the credibility and the standing of the United States Senate and distinct of how, you know, whether he thinks there's crazies he's trying to throw red meat at. He should command the space he occupies. He wants to be Senator Cotton. He wants to be Trump Senator 2024. Cotton, he wants to be Trump. Yeah, well, Senator Cotton, just stop it. Just he's stop it. That is that is a definition of an irresponsible statement, and, and it's and it's again more cloud cover, uh, more cloud cover provided by the mother of all irresponsible statements, such that people like Senator Tom Cotton can say these stupid things and people don't even notice. Anyways, my fail is Senator okay, Tom Cotton. Okay, can I just say, I'm going to add to your fail, that Maria Bartiroma yeah. on that interview, not questioning him. What was she thinking? Uh, come on, what was she, she thinking, lost the narrative a acting, long, long time ago. A- acting as if there was some legitimacy to that. I just, what, she's done that many horrible. times. Where, what happened to Maria Bartiroma? No Literally, what happened? No it was depressing. Where'd she go? Somewhere else. I don't know. I Anyways, just that to me was sort of that's my shocking. fail. What's your fail? Or are you just are you fa- we have fail? Squared? No, no. I want is your that... win now. I want your win. So my win. This is sort of strange, but when I was at UCLA, uh, the O'Bannon brothers, Charles O'Bannon and Ed O'Bannon. Uh, Charles O'Bannon played point guard. Ed O'Bannon was a power forward, mm-hmm. and you had Charles O'Bannon with like this buttery ball handling skills, and Ed O'Bannon was like if Superman was ten inches taller and stronger. It, and these guys were just a joy. And I'm not into sports, but at UCLA, you go to basketball. And we used to go to Poly Pavilion. These guys were just incredible. And I don't know exactly, but I think Ed O'Bannon, like most amazing basketball players, got to the NBA, made a little bit of money. But there's just the top of the pyramid in professional sports is basically the employment rate is like 0.0001% in terms of the number of people who can actually make a living in professional mm-hmm. sports. And what I think you continue to see, and I saw this, uh, the NC2A president uh, again, a guy who makes $4 million a year talking about how kids should not be or student athletes should not be paid. And it's just, to me, it's ridiculous. And that, again, we have another construct where March Madness, incredible basketball teams, incredibly talented young people uh, are, you know, we place on top of them this construct that transfers wealth, the wealth they create to a bunch of old white dudes sitting in Kansas at the NC2A mm-hmm. or at CBS headquarters. And it's enough already. These folks deserve some compensation. A lot of them aren't going to make any more money post-college. A lot of them give their best years in terms of their ability to create economic value for other institutions. So enough already. NC2A, you know, get out of the way. There needs to be legislation to pay uh, college athletes, and we need to get in the way. And then you have all these— you know, again, 50 or 60-something-year-old baby boomer white guys who, who coaches who all make between 4 and $20 million each saying that it would somehow pollute the game. When they're, the, when they're literally the mercury, you know, they're, they're the cyanide of this thing, being yep. around young people talking about integrity when they're doing their, you know, Cheetos commercials. But, oh, no, you can't make any money. Anyways, my, my win is Ed O'Bannon. I don't know where Ed is, but he provided so much joy and so much value to the Bruins. And I think we probably captured so much economic value and the fact that he didn't get to participate in that in a meaningful way. Anyways, Ed O'Bannon is my win, and I hope that, that college athletes start start recognizing some of the economic value they're I, creating. This is really interesting. This idea of transfer of wealth to the old and infirm at U of U is a very Everything interesting— Everything we do. It's a very interesting theme of Scott Galloway these days. Everything we do. I think you, this is your next book, this transfer. 
this idea of how we're sort of transferring all the money to the wrong places. Well, you know why Bernie has so much uh, momentum? It's When you think about it, it's not that crazy. People go, oh, well, it's socialism. It's scary. Old people, all of us old people are like, don't they know what socialism is? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, if they, they want their student debt eliminated, and that's what Bernie's saying. Well, it's because I, I got free education. Why shouldn't yep. they? Yeah. I got free education yeah. in the 80s, the University of California. I got free education. So they're like, I want some of that, boss. Yeah. And then they see a trillion dollars going to, to old people, two-thirds of whom do not need it. And they think, you know what? I'd like my trillion. I'd like my trillion. So they they immediately go to the same socialist policies that we call capitalism. Yeah. We just call it something else. Yeah. We call mm-hmm. it Social Security. We call it—I mean, we just have different names for it. But that we are— true. We are effectively socialists who've decided the most noble people in the world are also the wealthiest people in the world, and they deserve all our transfer payments. Anyways, drop the mic. I'm sorry. What is your What is your win? Uh, my win is an essay that Hunter Walk wrote, speaking of uh, who was a, was a tech executive and stuff, and he wrote, What's Wrong with Tech Folks Who Attack the Tech Media and What's Wrong with Tech Media Today? I thought it was a great piece. One of them was, Not All Critics Are Haters. Please Stop Adopting Language. Our president is deride reporting. You are not as much of an underdog as you think. You want to content market yourself and then think follow-up questions from the press are not worth of your response, pay for media. And for reporters, he says, don't red team uh, yourself into a biased corner, over grant uh, anonymity, especially in direct quotes. I think that's a really good, blame the media, business model, editor for your content or headline. So I thought it was a very thoughtful, he did it on his blog called Humble Brag. Um, uh, and uh, I think it's called Humble Brag. I mean, that Hunter Walker, that was a great piece because really tech people are now like, you're every when I had this argument, half of them were about media hating and nothing, no one had read the article like that they were they were so angry about and that drove me crazy and they just all they want to do is bash the media and it's just it's crazy and at the same time you know then the media came on our side and it was just like it was just like ridiculous no one had actually read the actual thing and so I just felt that was I, I, the victimization thing is just like exhausting. I'm a bit confused though. He's saying that we're not that we should be less critical of big tech or that no, we shouldn't no, just no, immediately no, have a no, gag reflex. No, no, no. He said we shouldn't do sort of. I think what he's saying is just do your reporting. He said a reporter told me a job is to find red team versus tech. I feel fragile. It's not a reporter's job to write both sides of the story or to balance their negative coverage with positive stories. But I fear over time that this type of newsroom culture narrows the perspective. It also applies the same level to red teaming outrage, equally to different circumstances. For example highlighting a young individual who made a stupid tweet or blog post versus speaking truly to power. I think that's right. I think he's right. I think mostly he was sort of shocked by how much anti-media bias is now coming out of tech. And I, Mike Isaac wrote about it towards reporters. And it's just because they, they had years of being licked up and down, and now they're not getting that. They're getting, like, just a second here. And I don't think they like that very much. That's my— that's I, Yeah, my but you have, a, you have a generation of tech leaders. Mm-hmm. If you look at just the sheer data, the number of corporate PR professionals, which yep. are basically lobbyists who make more money— Mm -hmm. has tripled and the number of journalists has been cut in half. And so all they have experienced as working adults is more momentum and narrative towards them. And so when that that momentum shifts and people start saying, no, you're full of shit and no number of press releases and appearances, cooked appearances on CNBC are going to save you, it's shocking to them. It feels anti-American. And they don't realize that when journalists used to show up, shit used to get real and journalists would— would would track stuff down, and they had the resources, and they had the license, and they didn't have the president attacking them. You know, people just had a lot more—I I feel like this generation doesn't appreciate that the largest, most effective police force in the history of Western democracy that doesn't carry guns or badges are journalists. Yeah. And, and it, 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 there is a lack of appreciation 
for um, and and it, it's what's interesting is even a guy like Bezos I think sees it and mm-hmm. says okay it's important these institutions are around uh, but it's it's when you really think although about journalism, his PR it's guy went on a complainy tech reporter rant the other day you know what I mean oh, like, did he? yeah he was calling hipsters in Brooklyn like he was just oh Jay Carney yeah it's just oh ridiculous. yeah 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 you know what I mean yeah, yeah. too bad you get paid a lot of money and you should it's just it's fascinating you know I try. You'd be shocked about how relatively good relationships I have with most PR people at these companies. Um, but one of the things I like about it is I've always been a grumpy pain in the ass to them. So they're used to it from me. That's but, believable. Um, That's believable. But it's, thank you. But it's a really interesting time. And I just, it's it's just really, it, it, it's, it's, it's emboldened by Trump. It's bullying of the press, which yeah. I think is really dangerous. And I don't, listen, one of the things is how, someone wrote, just tweeted me like, how do you like it now you're being criticized? I'm, I'm like, I'm good with it. Like, I'm always getting criticized, so it's fine. It's just, they like to, like, try to, like, how do you like it now? It's like, you know, fuck you. I get it all, like, all the time. It's an interesting moment. Anyway, I like this essay. For my fail, I would say, um, it's still Bill Barr you're, uh, and his dating Donald Trump. No, I just think Bill Barr just <laughs> continues to, to just make everything dirty over there. Just dirty. And I don't mean it in that way you were replying. But it just creates this letter from all the uh, the, the ex-Justice Department, 1100 Justice Department. It, you it, know, that's incredible. incredible. Say that again. 1100. People from the DOJ are willing to put their careers on hold and basically said, this guy needs to step down. That is staggering. 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 They don't care. They're brazen. Um, And so so that's—I think that was uh, my—just the the Bill Barr continues to be, I think, the most dangerous person in our—except for Mitch McConnell. I think those are the two—you know, Trump is one thing, but— uh, who facilitates it all? But these people who do who do know better, I think, on some level. And I don't. And I'm not abrogating Donald uh, Trump's responsibility, but on some level, he's got some problems. Um, but these guys, just ugh, I don't understand the trade at all. I don't understand the trade at all. I need to bring you out of this no. funk, this mood. Read yes. our letter for oh, Valentino. Yes. Valentino. Right. This is, we'll Read end our on this letter. You're right. I'm not in a funk. I'm in, I'm just like I just I had a weekend. You're just being you assholes. All right. This is a letter, <laughs> Valentino. Um, this is a letter from Valentino's mother, uh, Camilla, who was writing to us, um, and the, 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 the subject line was questions from Valentino, which, of course, that immediately piques our interest, right? So, yeah. first of all, I am a big fan of yours since L2 days. Pivot is brilliant, mm. and I am a loyal listener. My son, oh, go on. My go son, on. Valentino, I love her for naming her son Valentino, listens yeah, to the show awesome. on the way to school and knows your voice. Scott, you have a five-year-old fan. Isn't that nice? Questions that from nice? Valentino. All right, you have to answer them, too. Why okay. is this guy so angry with Amazon that he wants to break it? It's beyond me to explain why <laughs> he wants AWS to break it. is. Oh, my God. This literally, this, right. this, thank you for reading this. This email made so my happy. night. All right. And I don't know if you know, no email we have received, actually nothing that's happened, has changed my behavior more than this young oh, man. So because easy. I don't know if you've noticed, I have not used a single expletive because the notion that a five-year-old is listening has me totally freaked that out. That is true now. That's so, true. But you did Valentino, talk about presidential sex, but okay. All right. Next question. I love Tesla. Why, well, why is so me, angry? Let me answer. Let me answer, <laughs> Valentino. Right. Okay. Answer the first one, Amazon, then we'll get to the rest. Okay. The reason I want to break Amazon, I, I don't want to break it. Think of it this way, Valentino. You know, in your class, there are I'm trying to think of good enough. There are twins. Have you ever met twins? And that is the people kind of look like each other, but they have their own personality and it's better than one. They're more fun to play with because there's two of them. I want Amazon to be twins. I want two companies that kind of look like each other but are even more fun and there's more of a good thing. Oh so I don't God. want to break them. I want to turn Amazon into twins. Two Next question. Okay. I love two. I love Tesla. 
Why is so angry at Tesla? Dad drives one. I drive one too. They're great cars. I love I love Tesla. And by the way, ask your dad, ask your dad to make the Tesla dance. Say, Dad, make our Tesla dance and force dad to go on YouTube and figure out how to make Tesla dance. But I I like Tesla too. I think it's a great car and your 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 daddy has great taste Why in so cars angry? and say Answer daddy. Is very pointed question, Scott. Why so uh, angry it's at a Tesla? Fiber. Why so angry at Tesla? Because, well, okay, so Tesla, I think I think sometimes people at companies say mean things about other people and they shouldn't. And some of the people, the guy who's the big boss at Tesla is a genius, but sometimes he says mean things, and I don't like that. All right, okay. And you, you also don't like the stock, too, which we can explain, but that's yeah, okay. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> okay, three, is Donald yeah. Trump in jail yet? What do I do to make it happen given me and my friends can't vote? So the first thing you need to do is do really well in history. History is important because it'll help you predict the future. And then, and then Valentino, we need you to go to law school and join the Department of Justice and then run for Senate. So, so, oh so history class, <laughs> college, law school, Senate, Valentino, Senate. I will be there. I will be there. This kid, you can tell this kid, big things in store for Valentino. Oh, my God. I love that. You, you explaining things to a five-year-old is my favorite. Scott Galloway. That's just looking in the mirror. All right. The last part she wrote, <laughs> the next generation is listening. Thank you for your time. Camilla, Camilla, thank you so much. And obviously you brought up Made my night. Scott Made Galloway. my weekend. Seriously. God. God. Elementary school, Scott, is the best Scott. There you go. That is how there I like you, you right? That I would love to know you at how five awesome years is that? old. What how were you awesome like at five that? years old? Oh, my God. I, I was shy and a nice kid. Really? What were you like? I yeah. was just the same. Just the same. <laughs> Just the same. I ran the freaking playground. I ran the playground. Listen to me. I know him. I know him. Uh, I know the vice principal at the other school. I know him. (laughs) (laughs) I know him. I ran that playground and I was a benevolent Stick with me, kid. I know the lady that runs the cafeteria. We're getting an extra scoop of potato salad. Stick with me. (laughs) Stick with me. It's the way it is. I can't. I don't know what to say. It's genetics. Anyway, Scott, please. (laughs) You wanted to give a special shout out before we go. All right. So before we go, more virtue signaling on my part. This incredibly impressive young man, um, a guy named Dom Phillip is, I think his name's Dom Phillip, uh, is over here from uh, abroad uh, who's had some struggles with health. And he's just like incredibly, or he isn't, he's an incredibly impressive 37-year-old, send me a picture, handsome dude. Uh, and uh, him and his wife are here and uh, in the U.S. because we have some of the best we still have distinctive some of obviously our big problems around healthcare. We still have some of the best healthcare uh, in the world. And he wrote this very nice email to him. Anyways, I just wanted to say hello and that I was thinking about him. And I'm so glad that he is here in the United States of America. And uh, anyways, I'm just going to leave it there. But a quick shout out to Don and his wife. And more five-year-olds, please write in because it makes there you a go. better person. And more people write in. This is the best side of Scott. Remember, we love your questions. If you have a question or you just want to say something like this uh, about a story you're hearing in the news or anything we say, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, read us out the credits. Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. And special thanks to Rebecca Castro and Drew Burrows. If you like what you heard, please download and recommend to a friend, our episode or our podcast, uh, listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. And also be sure to tune in next week for a breakdown of all things tech and business. Professor Steyer, 2024. I like that guy. <laughs> I like that guy. 
I am basking in the glow of that episode. I'm like, look, look, I'm basking. I am basking in the glow. The glow. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Hello. Hello. I feel like that guy. What was that movie? Did you see Purple Rain? A long time ago. God, a hundred. Yeah, years the ago. guy from I don't know. It popped in my mind. The guy who was a lead singer for the Time. I don't even remember that. I movie. feel like that guy right now. Do you? I feel like that guy. Well, sing on, All right. Scott Gallagher. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk Thursday. See ya. Bye now.